So welcome to the book club. Um, we're recording now and we're being co-hosted with the Calgary Public Library, which I'm really honored to do. We've done a smudge, we've done a land acknowledgement, we've done a round of introductions, and we're really here to discuss the calls to action that have to do about commemoration. So I wanted to go around. Um, actually, our, our co-host is Métis, so we'll start with uh, Katie and we'll go around. And if um, passes participation, Katie, because I know you're just, you're kind of working, so I don't know if you got a chance to read the calls to action, um, but I kind of put a list, so then Twyla, Crystal, Kat, uh, Shelly, Jeremy, Rosemary, Heather, Julie, and Shelby, and we'll just kind of do a circle and uh, hear what your thoughts were about what we had read. So yeah, I'll pass it off to Katie and then maybe to Twyla after that. So embarrassed that I have not read it. Um, so I'm going to pass and I'm going to go to Twyla. Well, to be fair, it's your job to like be doing this. So yeah, to be fair. Thanks, Michelle. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't get anything. Where, where was the thing? Okay, well, that's okay. Um, and I hope I hope I made it really clear. Like I was just joking with Katie that like her job is to facilitate this, not necessarily read the book. So I hope that came out clear. And I apologize if it didn't. Uh, so Twilight, we're here to uh, talk about. Um, well, I guess let's give some background. Um, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, we did the TRC as our book club, and everybody said, "Hold up, we can't just do ninety-four calls to action." in a two hour book club. So what we decided to do was we would read a book, do a section of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. You're gonna hear me say TRC all the time and that's what I mean when I say it. And, and keep rotating from a book to a section of the TRC. So this particular one is uh, the commemoration. So calls to action starting at 79. Um, now, for those who are like watching and tuning in, calls to action or the truth and reconciliation commission report are they're public and you can find them so i have this tiny little book that you can purchase and it has the um undrip in the back so undrip is the united nation declaration of rights of indigenous people and that's kind of the foundation to the truth and reconciliation commission and um, they're in the back of this actually as well but there's actually more so you can download it just from any computer but we also have oh i have it right in front of me open of course most people's books probably looks a lot nicer than this one but this is kind of my the summary book that i use on a regular basis so this summary book is um part part one of a entire series and i actually have the entire series because i was gifted it by a wonderful person so I have um, in front of me a section of one of the volumes. So we have, I have section five here with me. Um, and this one's called, or section six called Reconciliation. I have four, which really focuses on the missing children and unmarked burials. And uh, the summary, I have the legacy volume five with me. Uh, just to, I kind of flipped through all of them to see how they address uh, commemoration and I actually found that it was volume six that um, really focused in on this conversation like there's there's quite a chapter chapter five um, and you can find that for free online as well so if you're just tuning in and this is your first time uh, this is where you would find it so um, yeah thanks Shelby so Katie posted the link on online thank you for that I appreciate that um Sorry, is it okay for me to stay if I haven't read it yet? The opposite. We encourage you to stay, okay. and I thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll just kind of go around and talk about it. And I, I hope that by the end of it, you feel like uh, you learned something from it, and will be inspired to continue reading and and continue on with us. I hope. For sure. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So who's next on the list? I think it's me. Um. Yeah, so I was looking, so I got this um, calendar, and in the calendar, I don't, it came with a huge chart um, of the tier, the calls to action, and then it color codes them. So I was looking through that, and it was call to action 83, 
Um, we call upon the Canada Council for the Arts to establish as a funding priority a strategy for Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists to undertake collaborative projects and produce works that contribute to the reconciliation process. And like out of the five calls under that heading, that's the only one that's green. And it struck me that's also the one that includes non-Indigenous and in getting access to funding to do stuff. So I kind of felt like a little bit weird about it reading that and seeing all these other monuments that have been said to be uh, proposed that should be made have not been done in all these years. Like it doesn't take that long to make a monument. So, or yeah, it's still red as like just looking at this. Um, so that was just my kind of superficial initial take on it. And then I'll, I'm really interested to hear what other people have to say as well. Sure, maybe I'll just quickly clarify that um, you were looking at the Beyond 94 or on the on the uh, Government of Canada website. It's actually a, it's a pullout. So it's the calls to action in a huge pamphlet. And it was produced, I bought a calendar, Indigenous calendar, and it came in the calendar. So yeah, when I look here, and then it just says, so I think this is information that is from the, like it says it's from the public domain and then they've taken it in terms of progress and color coded it. Um, yeah. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, for sure. Kat? Yes. Hello. Um, as mentioned, uh, this section is particularly impactful for me because I am interested in commemoration and public memory. And uh, some of my artwork has looked into that as well. Um, it basically blatantly states that uh, without truth, there cannot be any reconciliation. So um, I think that's at the point uh, where our country is, is just still learning the truth. And um, that must be incredibly frustrating and boring <laughs> for indigenous people. Um, and uh, the fact that uh, some of these calls to action haven't even been started yet is, is super disappointing. But uh, one part that spoke to me on page 278, um, it is a quote from a, um, uh, an honorary witness, um, Andy Scott. He says, reconciliation is about survivors speaking about their experiences, being hurt and being believed, but it's also about a national shared history. As Canadians, we must be part of reconciling what we have done collectively with who we believe we are. To do that with integrity and to restore our honor, we must all know the history so we can reunite these different Canadas, which would be amazing art projects to do. <laughs> so yeah, um, with Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. But um, yes, I'm also super interested in commemoration of um, uh, residential school victims, people who are buried still at residential school sites. And yeah, we've talked about that in previous um, book clubs. So uh, any action towards that, I'm in, <laughs> I wanna work on it. <laughs> and next to um, Jeremy, I think is next. I can't remember. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I, also kind of got <clears throat> confused about which volume uh, we were working with today. Uh, so I mostly just read through the actual calls to action. Um, and I guess what I found interesting was just how straightforward a lot of these were um, and yet still have not been done. Um, you know, how hard is it to put up a monument 
compared to some of these other more structural changes? Um, how hard is it to establish a funding strategy? <laughs> and it's just, yeah, very disappointing to see that, um, what is it, one of the, one of the ones we're covering today is sort of completed. Um, and I, I thought there was something in the news recently about this uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Um, and I don't know if that was just in Alberta or the federal government where one of the parties just totally um, failed to respect that or that might have been um, uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women. Uh, I don't remember exactly, um, but it was just yeah, very disheartening that not everyone's on board with this for some unexplainable reason. Um, let's see if I had any other notes. I I wrote down a lot of questions um, that I thought we could discuss or maybe someone could um, clarify for me. Um, so, uh, you know, as a white settler, um, it seems difficult to commemorate these sorts of things um, without, you know, kind of demanding um, work or uh, labor from Indigenous people. Um, and I guess that, that's a difficult thing to navigate for me. Um, I'm not sure how to go about um, helping uh, without making things worse. Should we talk about that or do you wanna um, keep moving and then we'll we'll come back to it if it's not kind of overall answered, I don't know. Uh, whatever you feel is best. I um, didn't really have too many more things to say there. Okay. Well, I think, uh, first of all, just coming to these book clubs, like, you know, we had a march on Saturday for awareness for missing and murdered Indigenous women. And, you know, I, I'm sad to say we are really low on the awareness scale. And to have folks even come to a book club is um, a huge you know, leap and bound for Canadians on the reconciliation scale. So, you know, um, I think you're doing a, a lot of good work and I, I know what you're doing with the Langevin School conversation. So, um, you know, I hope that you know that uh, from my point of view, we'll just keep working together. At least you're not doing this all on your own as a, you know, person who's like, I am going to go do this all by myself. So, you know, I, I just hope you feel comfortable continuing to doing the work that you're doing as you learn and asking critical questions to, I don't know, school boards or something like that as you move along. So, um, so yeah, okay. So I had uh, Shelly next, so maybe we'll go with Shelly. I read, because uh, I have the book, the, um, the volumes, because I don't like reading off the screen if I can help it. So there was two things that I found. Um, Mark DeWolf talked about his father and he was very hesitant to talk about his father and he was defending him. And I thought there, you know, that whole thing about it's ill to talk about people that have died. And I think we need to scrap that because people have done bad things. And he was a principal of two residential schools that have done horrible things. And to, we, need to, we need to be able to speak ill of the dead and not worry about, I guess, karma or something. I don't know, but it, it's because it was like, just wanted to see the bright side of it, but he was presentable for two, two residential schools. The, the, he was obviously aware of what was going on. So that, that made me kind of mad. Um, and then the second one, it said, unlike more conventional state ceremony, something, they have, the stories tend to be a reinforced Canada story as told through colonialized residential school commem commemoration projects 
we need to re we need to not reinvent the story. We need to tell it through indigenous eyes, because if we keep, like we said, whitewashing it, it's it's. I don't think reconciliation will have truly have true impact. Uh, we need to talk about we need to talk ill about the dead, and what happened. That that was my thought. <laughs> Well, that sounds great to me, Shelley. Um, so Jeremy and now Rosemary. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I, I maybe this is my naivete, but I was shocked by the first um, call, 79, where one of the elements was that <clears throat> the historic site monument act needed to be revised so that on the board that oversees these things, uh, there would be indigenous representation. And I, I just thought it was so incredible that you could have such a board that would not have had indigenous representation when we're talking about Canada's history. And it just shows um, the gap in, in understanding, I think, that exists in this country. Um, when I, like everyone else, I, you know, I, I read the call, I read what progress the government says that it's <clears throat> doing, and very little, and except for that 83, right, the funding through the Canada Council. And um, so I went on to read some other sites, and the AFN uh, has a watchdog group, actually, which is now reporting on progress. And basically, they came out with something uh, in December 2015 to mark the fifth anniversary of the TRC, saying basically, well, it's been five and a half years of inactivity. And then there's another um, group called the Yellowhead Institute, which is an indigenous led think tank. They also came out with, uh, uh, they come out with reports every year and they basically said, uh, that so far reconciliation has been a process of crocodile tears leading to uh, inaction or, or blocked action. So I thought those were really important concepts to keep in mind. Um, they also went on to talk about why they feel there's been such a lack of movement on these calls. In total, they think there are only eight calls that have been completed. And they said, unlike the Beyond 94, they're not willing to say, well, something is in progress. Because usually, and I think they're right when we read what the government says it's actually doing, they're beginning to talk to indigenous peoples. This is after five years, still beginning to talk to indigenous peoples about many of the, the issues that are under consideration. Um, so I think those would be good sources for all of us to look at. And I wanna go back to the Yellowhead Institute because they have a full-blown report and they divide the calls between uh, what they call the, the legacy calls, <coughs> which, which cover the areas for like health, education, child welfare, et cetera, where uh, we need changes and we need structural change to address inequalities. And then they, they talk about uh, the rest of the calls as um, they put it under the umbrella of reconciliation, like educating the Canadian public, including Indigenous peoples, et cetera. And um, basically they're, they're saying when you, when you look at the calls, the ones that have been completed, it's, it's, it's very symbolic that it's not substantive in most cases what's been done. Um, and then later, I don't, I want to stop talking now, but later I want to come back to the 83 and a very interesting project that, that came out that was a collaboration between an Indigenous artist and a non-Indigenous artist, Adrian actually, and another artist, yeah. Awesome. All right, so then I have uh, Heather. <laughs> Yeah, so I was already getting on this. I bought the book a long time ago and shared it or lost it or something. So I was already getting on this. 
Those, Mary, those links were uh, amazing because I did go into the government page, you know, even though I don't like reading online. So I went into the Beyond 94 page and then I went, I went into the, the calls to action page and then into Beyond 94, but that Yellowhead page sounds really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think we need to use that for writing our speeches next time for the school board, et cetera, right? We need to mm -hmm. pull those mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can quote them and call, you know, quote them saying crocodile tears, right? And, and just say, you know, crocodile tears ain't going to move us forward to the school board, right? But I know my job here isn't to uh, to critique or applaud Rosemary's report, but um, I mean, I, made, I, I was reading it over, I made scanty notes that I can't even make out other than um, plan complete. Plainly being completely ignored was one. One sidetrack I got onto on the monument page was they, um, for the Museum of Civilization, they changed to the Museum of something else. But anyways, the Museum of Civilization, they made a banner in 2020 with the names of the deceased children or the, 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 they're aware of 2,800 names on this banner. And they weren't all deceased children. And they they put on an archdeacon, bishop, whatever dude, they put on another, they put on the names of other people that were from somewhere. They didn't even like really thoroughly properly edit this before they made this huge 50 feet long red banner with names of the children to honor. I mean, it was it was cloth. I wouldn't call it a memorial, but you know, I mean, they someone did that, but they didn't even do it right. And someone looked at it and said, "Well, this is the deacon, and this is the something else," and the, all those four names were only from one school in Sault Ste. Marie. So, if there was four names from one school in Sault Ste. Marie, how well was the rest of it edited? Like, who mm -hmm. thought this one up? You know, so how well was it governed? And so did they rip it down or what did they do with the banner after that? And then apparently they got it, the names off of some website and the article said that the next day one website was changed, but the other one wasn't. So it's just, it's just not, you know, teeny, teeny, tiny footstep forward, not even being done honorably. So anyways. So that was frustrating. So I went and did my laundry instead. And my bad. But anyway, <laughs> if I can ever get up in time for breakfast again, maybe when my meds are finished this morning, um, I'll have more time in the day. Um, Sorry, Heather, you, we, we can't really hear you. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I, if, hopefully, anyway, um, I'm going to do better day planning. <laughs> and, but uh, I, I like these other resources because even the 94, uh, beyond 94 was frustrating. You know, it was just like, it was just frustrating. So I like the other resources coming up. Thank you. I think Julie was after me. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Heather. Well, I like so much of what everyone's saying. I really appreciate hearing what you're saying. My I'm slowly picking away at the TRC recommendations. I just, I find them difficult difficult to read only in that I don't understand the government world of which they speak, though I know that's really important um, because government policy sets so much direction, sets resources. And I think also moving into this nation to nation kind of um, attitude, it, it can't be, it, things need to happen there as well. Um, what I liked about these commemoration ones is they felt as all the ones that I read do really, really true to my own little life and what I see happening around me that this um, making invisible of indigenous heritage and history and contemporary life is just such a problem, you know, for those of us settler folks trying to learn differently and be differently and help create something differently. I hear indigenous people talking about what that means for their children and sense of place and and so I think these things are super important to do is to have a more truthful history that shared history and to dismantle some of the um, propaganda history 
that's around us, like the names of schools, the names of bridges, uh, named after kind of either, you know, white folks who did, who are part of terrible systems and made bad choices, or just were the first white person somewhere. And somehow that's, or first white baby, right? Born somewhere as if that's so significant, you know, compared to the eons of history that are actually in, in our very old land and very old um, cultured place, you know? Um, so maybe a little differently than what some folks have said. I don't think these things are easy. Uh, maybe sort of building on that example you gave, Heather, of something being done but done so badly. Um, it was more of an affront than a helpful thing. Um, but I think the process of surfacing stories, of talking about stories and experiences is, is hard. It's gonna be hard. It is hard when it's done, but it's very important to do. It's not hard, we shouldn't do it. It's hard, we should do it um, to understand the realities of this place. Um, and like um, Shelley maybe was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm also interested in that concept that we're not allowed to talk ill of the dead. I think it feeds into this sense of official history as much as it's willing in Canada to touch on um, Indigenous relations and the history of how we got to settle here, those of us who were settlers. It's always seems portrayed as bad things happened, but no one did them. You know, and, and I just think that's such a problem. It's not just that bad things happened, is that people did them. Um, and that people, I also really like the alternative histories too that said that there were settler folks who fought against these bad things as well, who recognized, for example, that residential schools were a horror and were killing children and disrupting families and communities. There, so as someone who likes to speak out, you know, I like to have those examples. Um, and, and that gets away from the idea that, you know, it was just of its time, nobody thought any differently. Well, of course people did. People, it's always been contested. So um, I just saw a lot of my own life and concerns and, and things that worry me in these commemoration um, recommendations. And I was very happy to read them. Oops, that's what I would like to say. And now I pass on to Shelby. Hi. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I I just got notified of this book club that I got off the wait list. So I wasn't able to um, get the reading list for today in advance. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you for for allowing me to be a part of this. Um, and I really value uh, being able to hear all your thoughts on this. So thank you. Well, I'm grateful. So for both you and Twyla, like I hope as we kind of go around, you know, and Katie for that matter too, as you, you know, hear things like feel free to um, know that your your opinion is going to be valid in the context of the conversation. And um, no, Jeremy, you've had your hand up and we kind of went around a circle. So I just wanted to double check and make sure that we've, we've addressed it. Uh, if everyone else has had their say, I, I did have a quick question or comment. Uh, okay, so it, it, it relates to this tracking of the uh, progress on the different calls to action. Um, so for example, we heard about the Yellowhead Institute um, beyond 94, which is that a CBC thing, I think? Um, and then, of course, you got the Crown Indigenous Relations pages that are just straight from the federal government. Uh, and then there's this page I recently found called indigenouswatchdog.org. Um, and then as well as the AFN has some documents that they put out. Um, and I guess I'm just curious which of these are perhaps the most appropriate um, least colonial sources to uh, to refer to sure well um you know beyond 94 i think is the nice bubblegum canadian standard like these are indigenous reporters that are funded by canada so i know i don't know about you but i know i never put down my boss 
and I certainly don't put down the people who are paying my wage. Um, you know, and I think that that's why it's always been really critical that I don't work for um, certain institutions because I, I can't I can't speak about the problems within them if, as an Indigenous person um, unless I want to lose my job and lose my livelihood, right? So that's kind of like the beyond 94. Like, so for example, for folks who are brand new to racism and indigenous issues, I will kind of put them towards this one. But like, I believe that um, the whole reason why the Yellow Hood Institute was even founded was, you know, when Har um, Harper was in, in um, you know, the world, it was, it was really awful. But then when Justin became prime minister, I think it was really painfully obvious he needed some serious accountability and that's the impetus for them to do that so I think it's really important that we we you know because everyone in this book club has kind of read a lot of this stuff they know that um the Yellowhead Institute like will talk about some severe issues without like they're not funded by so they can talk about this openly so I just wanted to bring this up for folks to kind of see it. This is the one that I prefer people would go to is the Yellowhood Institute. Um, the other one that you talked about, I'm, can I grab the name one more time? Sure, uh, I just put it in the uh, chat. It's indigenouswatchdog.org. Indigenous Watchdog. I, I wonder if it's like for um, like Australia. Oh, calls to action. Should have clicked on that first. That looks pretty Canadian. Yeah, I just recently discovered this one. I think it's still under construction, possibly. Oh, okay. Um, well, let's have a look here. I think it's the AFN. Oh, this is the AFN. This looks familiar to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do the about. We'll have a quick look. Uh, who is behind it? Let's see. So even the AFN, like if you were to listen to Russ Diabo, he's like, these people are the worst. So we have to be careful who's even behind that. Mm -hmm. Member of Pegasus First Nation. Well, at least he's indigenous. And, you know, oh, it, it sounds like he would be, oh, Assembly of First Nation. Support for the indigenous watch, watchdog. Okay, so we have a few different funders and it's kind of headed through the AFN. So to be frank, then I know that there would probably be a lot of political direction on to how this is put forward. And Calgary Foundation, Toronto Foundation, Canada, like these are colonial institutions with grantings that are colonial, granting systems that are so colonial that you have to really know how to work within that um, organization. So, you know, like, I, I'm glad that they have this, but um, a lot of people think AFN is kind of a, you know, like I was talking about CBC Beyond 94, where it's like you're directly paid from the government with government direction. And then this is kind of like that because the AFN, for the folks who don't know, is still the Indian Act. So the, you know, government of Canada still uh, controls everything and they don't get to be like actual leaders like um like Russ Divo and um Derek Nipponak he's no longer a chief so like when they speak it's not coming from a place of this person's funding me it's coming from a, a place of honesty so um you know so this would probably be like 94th and beyond then this one and then Yellowhead Institute that's how and I I just personally go to the Yellowhead Institute there's another one that I really like and There it is. First People's Law. They're a really good group of people to follow too. Oh, I think I had a dog help me uh, find my book once. Um, and they're they're online and they tweet out. So I follow them. Uh, basically a bunch of lawyers, Indigenous lawyers, that talk about it from an Indigenous perspective. So First People's Law, Yellowhead Institute, those would be um, organizations that I would trust to be like really holding holding them accountable. Whereas Beyond 94 is just kind of a nice nicety to see where, what the government thinks it's done. And that, I, that's part of the reason why I go there is to be like, okay, I'm a poli-sci poli degree uh, graduate and I work for Justin Trudeau. So how do I spin this to make it look as great <laughs> as possible? 
that's what beyond 94 is and and all of this right so um that's why I go to the yellowhead institute because they will like you know throw off the uh, boxing gloves and just go full knuckle so um anyway i really liked what they said here <laughs> five reasons why we have a lack of action yeah, of indigenous people how many times have excellent. the people on this call have like not had proper indigenous consultation or there'd be such a power dynamic i've been in rooms where there's like 50 people and we'll, and i'm the only indigenous person you know it, it's so incredible uh deep-rooted paternalistic attitudes you know yeah that's an understatement and i think it was jeremy was bringing up the conversation that was happening from the conservative party they're basically in denial of reconciliation so they didn't want to commemorate um the national day of uh reconciliation as september 30th and that's pretty bad i mean there's some pretty low hanging fruit and that would have definitely been one that they could have been okay totally on board now we've had previous discussions about the missing uh children and the unmarked burial sites like that's gonna be a fight like hey you're farming on top of you know 20 um indigenous kids we need this land back that's gonna be its own conversation right um I don't know if it's going to happen the red deer one specifically i always think of the red deer one but then my dunbo um uh experiences really it really scared me i really felt like um this was a farmer that was willing to shoot someone on site um even though i was in his driveway trying to engage with him in a, in a constructive way um so this is like the type of stuff that that's going to be the hard conversation um so let's let's bring this back a little more to the actual calls to action of commemoration. So I had shown that today was going to be 79 to 83. Those were the ones. And when I went through more specifically the um, reconciliation volume six, like this was a really beautiful chapter of chapter five. So um, it kind of lays out that question of, you know, where do I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? Who am I? And children need to know their personal story, including parts of their, you know, parts that precede their birth. <laughs> uh, how do we even have the conversation of how hard it is as an Indigenous person to reclaim their culture? Um, Katie, I don't want to speak for you, but when you said that your mom was Métis, uh, to me, I automatically went, oh, then she's Métis, but she doesn't know who she is. Um, and the reason why is because you didn't say I am Métis. You said your mom's family was Métis. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. Well, my mom was adopted in rural Manitoba. And she was one of, I think he has two brothers and a sister. And they were basically adopted to be farmhands mm -hmm. on her our adopted parents land and it wasn't until she, my mom was in her 20s and 30s that she started to try to even learn about her birth family and she finally found I think she she reached out to her birth mother a few times who was at that point in Ontario um, and then found out that she passed away and then she found out that she had two half brothers uh, who she was a little bit in touch with here and there, but she, yeah, she sort of went on this whole journey, I think, just, and I feel like I, I didn't realize until I was much older how much of an impact it must have had on her just identity in, as, in her whole life. Um, and yeah, so I think she, she wrote a thesis on Métis identity, and I, I don't know, like it really... I think she's still working on it or working through it. So, and, and I, I feel really kind of ashamed because I feel like she's carrying that burden for me and it's not something that I really think about. It's not something that I've had to deal with because I don't, I don't look indigenous. I, my, my father's side was like completely settler from, from Germany. So it's not a world that I grew up in, but yeah, it's very much shaped her identity. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. 
I'd love to have a conversation with you one-on-one -on -one offline so that you say, I'm Métis and this means this to me um, because just because your dad is German doesn't make you less Métis and it doesn't make the intergenerational uh, trauma or culture go away in your DNA. So, you know, hopefully one day we can have that conversation offline if and when you ever want to. And I extend my, uh, my phone number, my email to have that conversation when, when and if you ever want to. So, oh, thank you. yeah, you're welcome. So, yeah, like uh, this, honestly, this is the conversation that we need to have is that because of the great um, genocide policy that they had, we have Indigenous people not feeling comfortable identifying as Indigenous. And I say that myself as a status native, um, we regularly, I every day and deal with imposter syndrome every single day because of a culture that was purposely taken from me, but then because I'm not who I, you know, <laughs> because I don't fit, then I experience racism and I've experienced lots of government um, policy racism as well. So there's multi layers of racism. And then when you read social media, there's so much racism and so many p people are so conditioned to it. They don't even see the racism. So like when we talk about children need to know their personal story, I don't know if this ever ends. I don't think mm -hmm. that the healing journey ever ends because just as um, I walk down another rabbit hole, I have to mourn a bigger picture of something different, whether it was a loss of language. Like I remember sitting at Jeremy Dutcher's um, concert and I started bawling uncontrollably because I was hearing recordings of 200 year old songs that have been, you know, stolen from me on purpose so that we can all sit here and talk in English rather than in Blackfoot. And that's really problematic. And the, the trauma and the impact of that, that, you know, personal story that people are unaware of, even to this day, I'm still trying to figure out who I really am and where I really come from because Indian residential schools relocated my own family. So it, it's even with the opening statements on this, it, they were tough. And then it talked a bit, uh, there was a really great quote here. They had a conversation about the national event in Edmonton, which I was actually at. And it's interesting because a lot of these um, quotes that I've seen throughout all of these um, volumes that we've worked on, I don't, like I wasn't present when some of these incredibly um, impactful words were even spoken. So anyway, um, the first few pages are testimonials and the damage done of, you know, being apprehended or going through this Indian residential school, having your culture stolen, trying to figure out um, where you belong, trying to reclaim who you are, trying to work through media misrepresentation. It's a fabulous um, few pages to read if you, if you get there. Then it uh, broke into the dialogue, uh, ceremony, testimony, and witnessing. Uh, and then it talked about the power of ceremony. So for a lot of Indigenous people, they haven't been exposed to that. And that's on purpose so that Canadians can drink their Timmies and watch hockey and be happy, happy people at the expense of a complete loss and erasure of people and our culture. Life stories, testimonies, and witnessing as teachings. Um, it's, these are actually kind of hard reads, but I really encourage people to do that. Then they had a section of former residential school staff and their families. And I think that, um, you know, especially for a lot of the work that we're trying to do with the Langevin, like this is a great example of what reconciliation can look like. You know, um, a number of former residential school staff came to the commission to speak out not only about their uh, perspectives of the time that they spent in the schools, but also their struggles to come to terms with their own past. Florence Kaffir, a uh, former teacher spoke at the Manitoba event. And from my English ancestors, I apologize today for what my people did to you. I taught in two residential schools. 1954, I taught at Norway House United uh, Church Residential School for three to four years. And then I taught in Alberni uh, United Church Indian Residential School in BC. And I worked very hard to be the best teacher I could be 
and did not know about the violence and cruelty going on in the dorms and in the playrooms. I have found out through one of my former students who was only five years old when he came to Norway House and his name is Edward Gamblin. And Edward Gamblin and I have gone through a personal truth and reconciliation. And then afterwards in the media, hearing his songs a few years ago describe the cultural, physical and sexual abuse he had suffered in Norway school she said, I just cried. I told my sister, I can never think of teaching in a residential school in the same way again. And she called Gamblin after hearing the song. He told her he had to hide his abuse from the good teachers for fear he would lose them if they found out what was happening and left. He invited uh, Kafer to a healing circle in 2006 and they became close friends. Kiefer and Gamblin taught her not to be embarrassed about her past. Uh, being part of a school which abuse took place. I was 19 and you don't question your church and your government when you're 19. But I certainly question my church and my government today. <laughs> Understatement of the year. And Gamblin said Kafer taught him how to forgive. There are good people, teachers, who don't deserve to be labeled. So I just thought that was relevant in some of the conversations that a lot of the folks here have been having um, and that as all Calgarians should be about something like Langevin School, the um, John A. McDonald schools, things like this that we're, we're trying to have dialogue on. Then it goes into church and government officials and um, the TRC honorary witness. And, you know, Jeremy, kind of go back to what you were asking about, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like the folks in this book club, uh, folks in some of the work that we've done outside the book club has helped to um, show that you are witnesses to my experience and my example, uh, let alone all of the other Indigenous people that might be in your life. And, you know, we talked a little about Adrian Stimson, since he's a rock star artist that everyone in the circle knows of. And, um, you know, when he tells his story to you all, you're honoring that story, you're honoring what he has to say. And, um, and, and you are that honorary witness. And when I talk about walking this journey with you all, you are walking the journey. You get to see the hate mail we get. We get to see the comments that come. You get to witness that. And you have a choice from that witnessing of to either perpetuate it and continue it. And I know nobody here does, but that bigger picture, right? So, um, and anyway, so the honorary witnesses that were that are in the in the TRC report but I remember when I was at the Edmonton event, them talking about basically how I felt at the time was they made like white social workers and white politicians and all these people be like, you're hearing this trauma and now you have the responsibility to move forward and tell these stories. And they knew that was their job. They knew it was their job to continue talking about this and try to make rights for what had happened. So you know, I, I always encourage people when they hear Indigenous people to not just believe them, but honor that story and be a witness to that and walk that journey with them. So, and that was quite a few pages long and, and they're hard reads, but it's important to hear people talk about what it's like. And I think our book club specifically, because we have so many settlers would really um, relate to a lot of that. But also in this group are a lot of artists. So the arts, practicing resistance, healing and reconciliation and you know i thought that that would be really a critical section to read as we kind of talk about langevin school and talk about pro uh, possible art um that we we put towards this it's so funny because um we had a bit of a conversation about funding you are actually doing the action the call to action by trying to do things like get schools renamed or statues to not be put up and there the guidelines are right here on page 178 and nine, <laughs> they're right here. So, you know, it, it's it's just encouraging folks to know where to look, I think, and then they can look and they know to go, oh, well, I go to this volume in here and it says this and, you know, understanding the, the gravity of it. Because like some of the comments we've been getting about the Langevin School rename are like, well, that's not a call to action, no. But if you were to read the Reconciliation Volume 6 and you were to read some of this, would you really feel comfortable looking at me as a person impacted by Indian residential school and saying, 
well, it's not a call to action, so we can't possibly do it. It's not near the spirit of reconciliation that we're trying to achieve, right? So really uh, recommend this part, especially with the work that I know some of you are trying to uh, do outside of the circle. And then the residential school commemorative projects. Um, yeah, that's something I would like to do. I, I should just share a quick story that my my family's um, school that they went to had um, a memorial put up prior to the TRC. So the language is very whitewashed. And I would love to see another monument go up that isn't, that's honest, right? Like they have all these unmarked graves right there. I and mean, everyone knows they're just not allowed to, um, you know, develop it at all. And that's not really okay. We should have them properly marked. Uh, bearing witness to the child, children's art from um, Alberni Residential School. The story of a small collection of children's art created at the um, Alberni Residential School demonstrates how recognizing and respecting Indigenous protocols, practices of ceremony, testimony, and witnesses can breathe life, healing, and transformation into public memory, making through dialogue the arts and commemoration. The story has deep roots within the family's histories of the survivors and the oral history and the community memory of the peoples that are there. So I, I strongly like encourage people to read that. There's over 750 pages or paintings in the collection, including the 36 paintings from the residential school itself. There's, it's just a, a really great chapter to read. Um, it, it's not even a chapter. It's, it's one, two, three pages. Uh, Canada's public commemoration. So they talk a little here with um, ceremonies. Um, Christy Belcour, one of the folks that I that did the Walking with Our Sisters um, uh, exhibit. She's not talking about that in here, but she talks a bit from the Métis perspective. And there is a Métis TRC book. What time do we got? I bet you we're, I'm running out of time here. Okay, we got 15 minutes. So. I'm going to do a circle, a, a kind of a closing circle for us. And I uh, just really strongly encourage the Reconciliation Volume 6 for us all. And uh, we'll start with Katie and I will shut up here for a moment. Where was my mute there? I don't know what you want me to say, Michelle. Sorry. <laughs> I guess uh, let I, maybe uh, that's unfair and I apologize for that. Um, you know, we only have 15 minutes. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, recognizing there's other folks, maybe some burning things that you might wanna share that you learned from tonight. And then uh, we'll just pass it on to the other folks and uh, yeah, just kind of do a decompress. I don't even know where to start, honestly. This is this is a lot of stuff that I haven't thought about in a really long time. Um, so I think I'm gonna I'll pass on to the next person. But I'm so so glad that I randomly was assigned to host this book group. I think it was meant to be. Um, so, anyways, I'll pass it on to the next person that I can see or who's next to me, which is Crystal. Um, yeah, I just, thanks everyone. I really appreciate hearing all the comments and, and especially the in-depth stories too. Um, I guess what I think, like as a teacher, when I see like, we've made these goals and they're not done. So like, if I was with students, I'd say, okay, well, obviously we have to go back and make these smaller baby steps so that you can get to whatever level when you show those five items of like what's happening and like those are the previous steps that have to happen for these other things to come yeah but thanks um twyla i'll go to you um so i've got a lot of reading to do but i'm thankful for all the links that were shared and everything. And I made all my notes, so I've got lots to do and I'm, I'm gonna do it. So thank you. Um, Jeremy would be next. 
Sure. Um, Shelley, do you have your hand up? No, I'm trying to, um, no, I have a aneurysm thrombosis in my hand. So I'm on a lot of drugs and I'm very uncomfortable. I'm trying to make my hand comfortable, sorry. No, no problem. I just wanted to make sure that we weren't skipping over you. Uh, yes, thank you everyone today for sharing your thoughts um, and for being here together. Um, I also have a lot more reading to do. Uh, you know, it's one thing to go through the calls to action, um, but as Michelle uh, kind of summarized, there's so much more to it. Um, the spirit behind those calls to action. Um, and one thing that came to mind as I was, you know, um, following along there is just, um, Lately, I've found myself uh, having not much time to read, but more time to like, listen to audiobooks. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's an audiobook version um, of the reports. I wish there were. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know um, if there's like a volunteer project maybe to, to do that or who who would be appropriate to ask for that approval or consent? Because um, I think that's something that maybe some of us would be interested in doing. I would just uh, do it because I'm like that. <laughs> but <laughs> well, actually, if you follow the Canadian colonial route, I guarantee there's funding for something like that. I suppose, yeah. Um, I know that there's uh, like this book should be free dot dot org i think that has you know a lot of recordings that have been made like that just by volunteers um i did a quick google search and found these two links that i just put in the chat um the second link is like a set of dropbox files i think that somehow are summaries of some of the trc report chapters um i haven't listened to them yet but that might be a resource. Um, uh, just a reminder that Beyond 94 does have like those little videos that have like Marie Sinclair just saying the TRC call to action. But I know you're trying to talk about that bigger picture of like the book and the volumes and I don't blame you. The 700 pages, yeah, with all that beautiful text. Um, so, well, if you think that it would be okay, then maybe that's something I'll work on in my spare time. And uh, yes, thank you everyone for being here. Uh, I guess I have to call on someone else now. Um, Shelly, I suppose. Hello, um, I was, when I was reading this, what really, and it's come back to further um, conversations we've had in this book club is that the, the schools aren't, marked national historic sites which really got me and they're being sold to private farmers they shouldn't be um i felt sad and anger at the same time these should be they should not be wiped under the carpet they should be brought out and taught and sorry i um the it's it's just so frustrating um like the people don't want to talk about history like they don't want to talk about the forced sterilization sterilization of indigenous women and people with disabilities and that they're still doing mm -hmm. it and that it, yeah yeah the act of gen and the genocide that's still happening and all the intersectionalities sorry i could go on forever um but i i just think that um I, I, I find it really good to read the actual volumes. I've read five and six, and now I have to go back and read the other ones, but that's all I'm really doing right now is reading and watching TV because I'm in so much pain, but um, that's all I'm really doing. <laughs> oh, I need to pick someone else. I will pick Kat. Well, I hope you feel better soon, Shelley. 
mm. send you positive energy for that. And um, I'm honored to be here as always. And um, I would encourage if you have some extra time to go check out some indigenous artists. Um, there's the exhibition um, that's listed in the in the calls here, uh, Witnesses, Art and Canada's Indian Residential Schools um, from uh, UBC. It was shown, I think, in 2015. And speaking to memory, images and voices from the St. Michael's Residential School. Um, those are just two small examples of Indigenous artists who've addressed the issues of uh, residential schools. And um, there are tons of other ones out there making beautiful art. Adrian Stimson was in The Witness <laughs> um, exhibition too. So yeah. Thank you all. I'm so um, grateful to, to um, hear you and learn from you. And Michelle, mwah, mwah, I send you tons of positive energy too for all your, your good work and it is very much appreciated. All right, Sorry, did Rosemary. we miss anybody? Okay. Rosemary. <laughs> okay, very, very quickly. I don't think it's speaking ill of the dead to speak truth. We would never say we're speaking ill of the dead when we talk about Hitler and what he did. So why can't we think the same way when it comes to what happened that is and is still happening to indigenous peoples? Two, and this is something we can talk about again. <clears throat> they keep talking about including indigenous perspectives, right? In some of these historic sites and monuments. And we're gonna have to really guard against the government or whoever interpreting that to mean that somehow there are two sides to the story. I was in a conference uh, today where someone was saying, you know, it's not about two sides. They said it's about the truth of what happened. And I think we need to keep that in mind. <clears throat> Number three, look, Google Adrian Stimson and the Apology Project. This was a, a, a collaborative work in the 2019 uh, Toronto Biennale. He, he collaborated with a legendary performance artist, A.A. Bronson, <clears throat> who's in his 70s. And Bronson basically delivered an apology, like they created all kinds of stuff. And the part of it was Bronson, <clears throat> not in his persona as a performance artist, but as a human being apologizing for his family's role in residential schools. And his great grandfather was Reverend Timms, the Anglican Reverend who built the Old Son Boarding School for Boys. And Old Son was the name of Adrian's great grandfather. Um, so it's a, just such an interesting article. So I encourage everyone to read it, Google it and read it. And yeah, Michelle, thank you. I feel like through these <laughs> book clubs and the discussions, you've given us the tools we need to try and act right, and to do things, to challenge anti-Indigenous racism and white supremacy. Thank you. Really happy. Um, so it's 7.56. Uh, we usually try to give everybody some time to chat. Um, I don't mind staying a little later, but I respect everybody's time. And I also respect that Katie, like we're, we're done at eight o'clock. So um, I thank you all for coming. I don't know if you've seen in the chat, but um, I had uh, in the chat our next book club. So the 12th is Ma Mama Sketch by Daryl McLeod, and that is one that the library can get. And then the next one after that will be the TRC on media. And there's actually really great books that are um, on media and misrepresentation. I think of like Lisa Charlie Horse immediately. And those are books that you can get through the um, public library so it might be ones you might want to consider when um you know because uh, they, they are kind of graphic novels so they're there's something actually fun to read i actually think we did it like four years ago five years ago we're about to have our fifth anniversary so I'm, i think we did it but we can you know revisit them if you want to or at least i encourage you to consider it if you're making an order at the library to get mama sketch that maybe you could have a look at uh, some of lisa charlie horse's work as well so we have three minutes and Jeremy raises his hand. Uh, I just uh, curious about getting this from the library. I see there are 18 copies or 12 available. Um, does that mean we can all get one and that that's fine or should, uh, 
just taking a look here. Um, yeah, there's, there's 12 available copies. Um, it also is available via ebook, uh, if that interests anybody, but yeah, I think that's everybody who wants one should be able to get one. Awesome. Um, I did want to mention to, uh, are, are any of you folks on the wait list for next month that you know of? No? Okay. Because um, I think we will be opening it up to a few more folks. Good. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, apologies to anyone who got an email from, from me earlier today letting you in. Our librarian had meant to reach out a few weeks ago and get, obviously give you enough time to read everything and contribute. So um, that I'll, I'll be reaching out to people next week to make sure that everybody gets a book and uh, gets the links and everything that they need. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, folks, we're at 7.59. Thank you so much for coming and for having this conversation and don't hesitate to reach out.